Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's Monster Week for us. It's our first Monster Week. Woo-woo. As if loves the monster movies. And I love the monster movies as well, to mm-hmm. be fair. And we all know there's a big old gigantic monster movie coming up in Godzilla vs. Kong. Looking forward to it. Really so we're, doing these, we're doing these just little episodes talking about the Godzilla films that have come before. We're not going all the way back. We're not doing 1950s Godzilla. We're just doing Godzilla from when we grew up, which is the, I believe, 98, mm-hmm. when that was released, and comparing that to the 2014, which is part of the franchise and the world that is going on now. And then we'll do another little episode on the Kong side of things. We'll oh, do yeah. a little deep dive into Peter Jackson's Kong, which I believe is a 2005 release. And then... Um, Skull Island. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from a couple of years back. One of my favourite films, probably. Uh, I'm not even afraid to say that. It's not like it's guilty pleasure for me. It's like, I love that film so much that I'm looking forward to discussing it. Um, Man, there's going to be a lot of praise coming that way because it brought it all back for me watching it recently. So mm. that's that's definitely a thing. But let's first go. Let's go back to good old 1998. Ah, the year France 98. where no problems existed (laughs) yeah it's funny because you know I've been watching a lot of 90s films recently and it it seems like you know after the Cold War the 90s was like this time where all the trouble was caught on film rather than in the world as much you know so it was uh, films were much more dramatic in the 90s let's just say you know and Godzilla is one of them Um, I mean I saw it in the cinema as a kid did you I saw I it in the cinema and the kid uh, as a kid in uh, cinema with the kid. <laughs> I was the kid. <laughs> we are all the kid. <laughs> yeah, we are all the kid. Um, the one big thing overall that why this film has like a a really uh, place in my heart is because of the soundtrack. Oh, interesting. Because you had, I think it had two singles which came came off of it and it, it which was Jamiroquai I'm going deeper underground remember that like, I'm going deeper underground here huh? <laughs> that's exactly how it sounded guys <laughs> uh, and then you had um Puff Daddy and Jimmy Page when it's like come on you know I honestly like maybe I mean that went over my head actually because that was both those singles and not only that this is when the music had money as well because you watch both of those music videos and they're both full-on godzilla music videos jamiroquai you have godzilla's like smashing through into a cinema screen taxis flying over i think a helicopter crashes in at some point and he's like dancing all over the chairs and then the puff daddy one they're on like tall buildings as godzilla's like demolishing his way through yeah i mean i remember the jamiroquai song i don't remember the puff daddy one i'll have to check it out um please check it out absolutely brilliant yeah it's funny that you um picked up because yeah i mean for me i yeah, i remember see- i was probably about nine when it came out and i remember seeing it in the uh in the cinema as a kid and really enjoying it as a kid you know it's like one of those 
it feels like a film that's meant for kids because now when I rewatch it, there's so many <laughs> like awkward things about it, and uh, also I mean the science is like laughable, and and <laughs> and actually you know it's funny because I always remembered it quite fondly. I think you did as well, right? Like since yeah. seeing it as a kid, you were a fan, and you know. Um, but you know, so many people over the years, you know, that you speak to, like they always have such problems with this film, and I never really got why too much because it felt quite harmless. But now I realise that it's wrong to even call it Godzilla. You know, in terms of when you look back at the classic Godzillas, that you know, because <laughs> essentially, you know, the the traditional ones say that Godzilla is a creature awoken by nuclear war and then empowered by it, um, and whereas you know, in this film, the Godzilla is essentially like a mutated iguana or like a lizard. Um, yes, which happens, yes. You know, in the course of like what, like, I mean, they're talking, you know, about doing nuclear tests in the 50s. And this came out in 98. So it's like about, you know, let's say you're like That's around 40, 40, 40 years, years later. Yeah. And, you know, in that time, we, you know, <laughs> you've had a mutation so extreme that, I mean, first, uh, the hilarious thing is that Godzilla's not even a lizard. You know, he's he's more of a dinosaur. You know, in terms of he walks on his hind legs. He has shoulders. I mean, he breathes fire. You know, uh, so I just found it hilarious that they were equating him as this sort of mutated lizard and compared him with the worms that he was studying in Chernobyl that were seventeen percent larger. I mean, but this guy. I mean, he's. I mean, God knows how many Godzilla knows how many percent larger this guy is, but. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just thought it was hilarious that he even tried to justify it as like, you know, that that was the theory behind it because it's just, it was just so laughable, you know, um, and you know when and then of course, so I watched this on Saturday and then um, I watched the new Godzilla on Sunday, and how you know the new Godzilla picks up the kind of traditional storyline much more. So I can see how people were much more like, oh, okay, that's real Godzilla. And, you know, looking at the 98 one, it's like, as it, it felt like more of a fun film for kids. And But, you know, still watching it, you know, I still find it enjoyable because it is one of those big 90s extravaganzas, you know, as you said, yeah. like big soundtrack. I mean, even the CGI, I have to say, like, is not terrible for an, a film from 98, you know, yeah. especially, especially with like, you know, Godzilla being the main feature and actually featuring quite a lot on the film. Um, it doesn't actually look that bad in terms of, you know, when you look at other atrocities from the 90s. Um, <laughs> atrocities. Yeah, I mean, Escape from L.A., is it? John Carpenter with Kurt Russell. Oh, some awkward, awkward CGI in that. But this, you know, it's it's fun. It's still, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, there is a lot of <laughs> ridiculousness in it. But, you know, it, it's, yeah, I, you know, I kind of enjoyed watching it. It's... Uh, funnier than i remember actually you know in some ways it is funny it's like it's massively tongue-in-cheek yeah and you know it's also you've got a it's also getting roland emmerich the director at the point of his career when it's just i mean he is mr disaster movie and this is him at his peak or well I say his peak, like he's been doing it for so long. But I mean, you're talking about this is him, like Universal Soldier, Stargate, Independence Day, Godzilla, The Patriot. Like these all, all these films tomorrow, happened yeah. in like yeah. 10 years. Yeah. So, oh yeah, Day After Tomorrow. Day After yeah. Tomorrow. My but always best memory about The Day After Tomorrow is... I went to this when <laughs> showing our age, but I remember getting my first mobile phone that had color screen. Oh, and yeah. you you remember like in the nineties, probably early noughties as well. So there was this phone brand in the UK called Orange, and mm-hmm. at that point in time, it was always to entice you into a contract. You would get a gift. I think if you would get it like near Christmas, you would get like a gift as well. Going, okay. hey, you've got this phone. Have like a pair of headphones or something like that. And this gift was a DVD player, which I still have to this day and still works. But (laughs) I took it home and was like, oh, cool. I've got a DVD player. Why don't we play something on it? Plugged it in because this is I don't think we had a DVD player then. Or we might have. I'm not too sure. I can't remember. Um, 
it had so the staff had obviously been using it because it had the day after tomorrow the movie inside (laughs) (laughs) so that's a 2004 movie so i must have got this in like 2004 or to the christmas of 2004 probably i got this dvd player um and it had it and i was like oh my god i hadn't seen this film either (laughs) so i remember having a movie night (laughs) And there's lots of snow in it, so it's perfect for Christmas, you know. Perfect like. for Christmas, right. There's lots of snow in it. Christmas uh, joy of, you know, you know the end of the world. Gillian Hall having a massive crush on, I think it's Emily Rossum or something like yeah. that. And uh, wishing Dennis Quaid was my dad. You know, <laughs> classic disaster movie. But, you yeah. know, this is what Godzilla is at that particular time. This is where, like, American... So this is, like, Hollywood's first, I believe it's the first time they full-on make a full-on hollywood version of godzilla mm, yeah and it's so hollywood <laughs> it's so 90s <laughs> it's so everything of that particular time to a certain extent yeah. you know they lay they didn't they weren't being like holding anything back if you can imagine someone said in the writing room you know let's make it let's have a bit of comedy in there and they're yeah. like okay let's go 100 percent on that um yeah, and especially like I mean, with a, a massive cast as well, and they're all like massive cast, yeah. big big cast. We've got all people. We got people in peaks as well. We've got Matthew Broderick, who I've always loved, um, and him as the worm guy, <laughs> earthworm <laughs> specialist. <laughs> yeah. It just you know what talking about it, even though I've watched it recently, it just makes me want to watch it again. I just yeah, it's it's so something silly. about it, and I've said this before, and I feel this is just a feeling that anyone will get about a film that you've watched between the ages of zero to 20. You yeah. watch them again, they will have this little glisten that people watching them for the first time a lot older will not understand. But because you had some sort of relationship or memory with that film in your first 20 years, then it just holds this nostalgic little tint. Yeah, I com- I, you know, I completely agree. And it's funny that you say that because I have that for a lot of Emmerich's films anyway. Like, I mean, Stargate, I absolutely love. Like, whenever it's on TV, I cannot help myself to watch that. And I've, I've got the DVDs. I've, I've, I just love, love Stargate. I love the concept. It's just really cool and just a great film. And then Independence Day as well. Like, you know, that basically was everyone's childhood when we were younger. Um, Everyone worshipped Will Smith uh, after that, really. It's, yeah. And so it's funny that he's kind of, <laughs> that he followed up with, you know, a film like, you know, Godzilla. I mean, you know, he, it, in, in terms of taking on a classic, because the other ones were, you know, original ideas and, and you know, and pulled off very well. Um, so to take on something like Godzilla, it felt, especially after those two very successful films, you know, they, as you said, they probably were just like, eh, let's just do what we want, you know, like, kind of ignore the backstory, make it fun, you know, get these big actors in. And I mean, Jean Renault in it, <laughs> I'd forgotten how funny his character was because, you know, he's this French special agent uh, or, you know, CIA <laughs> yeah. equivalent. But all he does for like, you know, his first five, six appearances on screen is criticize American coffee. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's so true. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, you're expecting him to deliver serious lines, and he's <laughs> the French Secret Service are only talking about how crap the American coffee is, and and it's it, and that's one of the funny things again about Godzilla '98 is that even though there's a giant, you know, mutated iguana walking through town, so many of the characters seem surprisingly relaxed in <laughs> like a weird sort of way. Like at first, when they see him, they're like, I mean, obviously freaked out, but I just feel that, like, throughout the film, yeah, they're kind of so jokey and, like, laid back to make certain comments about, like, oh, well, kind of be all right in the end sort of thing. And, I mean, I would not be like that. I would probably be, you know, neurotic, paranoid, like, scared and just, you know, trying to get as far away from the city as possible. But they're all just there, like, hey, and, like, we can't find him. And, you know, oh, well, you know, he might be reproducing. Like, hmm. Like, it's just all kind of casual fun almost. I'm just thinking, like, it's just, it's just hilarious to be honest. Yeah, and you know, I, I can, I can, I can tell why I liked it so much as a kid because, and it feels like a kids' film, you know, in a way that it's like yeah. kind of aimed at a younger audience, and 
made a bit more fun and lighthearted and not as like intensely scary, you know. Um, which um, it, I mean, you've also got like the comedy chops as well of yeah. Hank uh, Azari, yeah, yeah, yeah. Harry Shearer, you've got Harry Shearer as well. You've got the two Simpsons legends in there, <laughs> yeah. and you've just got Michael Lerner who just is in so much in the 90s, yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, plays the mayor, but it's just i mean even matthew broderick is kind of a you could call him a, a like you know a comedy actor as well yeah, um, 100%, yeah. you know ferris well, bueller and inspector yeah. gadget yeah that's that true. guy knows comedy yeah so it's... and nico totopoulos the mispronunciation of his like jean renault with the coffee his uh matthew broderick's character's surname is also a continuous joke beat which yeah. probably rears its head about six, seven times during the film. Yeah, it's funny actually how that, that becomes like such a central feature to like <laughs> you know, its character. Like, oh, it's just no one can pronounce his name, you know. <laughs> and, and he's I, an old worm guy. <laughs> and I get it. I get it because you look at it on IMDb and it's got a 5.4 rating from like nearly 200,000 votes. And then I look, if you have an IMDb account and you rate films like I do, because that's what I love to do, then you... You see the five point four right next to it is is the rating I've given it, and it's a solid eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Wow. <laughs> because there's nothing but if I see this film on enjoyment for me, I completely get it that they have missed the mark so much on so many things when it comes to this movie. But I can't not like it. Yeah. Every time. I love the whole build up to the ending in Madison Square Garden. Like, do agu- do giant iguanas love fish? Well, I guess they must do, because yeah. that seems to be the key food. <laughs> they were like, what can we get a lot of in New York? Fish? Yeah. How about salt beef? You know, it might like <laughs> really annoying if his if his taste was sheep. <laughs> like finding that many sheep to pile in. To New Zealand, you know. <laughs> yeah. But there's there's so many things about this particular film that is so far removed from anything Godzilla yeah. related. If you're relating it back to like the origins of Godzilla and how those films, because they even change his. We get fire, don't we? That's what he breathes in this movie. Yeah, I think he breathes it only once, though. I think it's um, only once or twice, if yeah. that. And but I think it's in the tunnels, isn't it? Yeah. I want to say it's in the tunnels underneath ground. Yeah, I think so. Um, but we don't get the, you know, the nuclear laser beam that we no. do in the majority of all the other Godzillas. Yeah, I mean, he's not really nuclear at all in this one. He's just, it's just a, fire. a giant <laughs> lizard with shoulders. and. <laughs> what does he breathe? Oh, well, it's usually a nuclear, just fire's fine. Um, <laughs> what is he? Well, he's a prehistoric, like, uh, monster dinosaur... But he's, he looks a bit like a guana, though, doesn't he? <laughs> oh, yeah, kind of. Why, why, why can't he just be a bigger guana? Well, I guess he could. Yeah, let's have him as a bigger guana. <laughs> Can you imagine if he was like a, uh, a giant a iguana? Quote from the production. <laughs> <laughs> if he was a giant iguana and he was just walking on all... Yeah, like, just like scuttling through the city. like, <laughs> And it's just like really annoying and hard to catch because he's so quick. <laughs> Do you know what that makes me think of? It makes me think of those old films where clearly what they did was they just filmed a normal size iguana yeah. and then they put it... They put it on top of like people, <laughs> and you're like, "Oh my god!" And there's a guana just ah. literally walking around its tank of its natural habitat. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, you know, I would, I would, I would love to have seen that sort of uh, action at some point as well. But it's, it's just, yeah, it's a fun film. You know, it. It's it's a fun film. It's just got like, I I can't not enjoy it you've got i love it's got the, destruction it's got it's jokes got destruction it's got jokes it te- doesn't take itself seriously at yeah. all the <laughs> it's just made me think of another like the french secret agents almost yeah. what what do they do are to break into the american like infiltrate the american operation you know do they crack some codes do they you know do they tunnel in underneath do they, do they like you know get some fake ids and try and smuggle their way in oh no 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 
They just have some Wrigley's chewing gum and they're in. That's it. That's it. Easy as hell. Like Americans chew gum. What was it that he says? The Elvis quote? Um, thank you very much. Yeah, he's like, thank you very much. And the guy just, you see there's a bit where he just looks at everyone in the car and they're just like, just <laughs> Makes us look more American, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jean Renault was... Yeah, I, I remember him fondly as well as a kid because that was the film that kind of introduced me to him. And then afterwards, I kind of saw Leon and stuff where he's like, you know. But Jean, Jean Reno's, that's a big point of his career as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, still well, younger than, you know, these days. But he was starring in more films then. And, uh, but like bigger films, I suppose, like more kind of, you know, Hollywood ones. And yeah. Well, the, so. the funny thing I like is the exact same time that Godzilla comes out, Ronin comes out as well. I yeah. mean, it's the two different sides of yeah. John Reno's career, isn't it? Oh, wow, yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, you know, he must have been doing this more for the payday and the laughs, and that one, you know, more for the uh, you know, the balance of a serious acting role. <laughs> um, what, what I loved is at some point, Ronald Emmerich, and I think it was 2012, I think he said somewhere that, like, that was it. For, that was him. This is my. I'm going to do all the most ridiculous things in this one disaster movie. We're going to put a line under it and we're going to move on. And then he obviously didn't stick to that for too long because he's made like one, two, three disaster movies since. Yeah. Yeah. And I will give him credit though because I always thoroughly enjoy. Because I know what I'm getting myself into. I'm not expecting this to win Oscars, hands down. But I'm expecting... I, I would say he's a Michael Bay with class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I could, I could say that, yeah. Like, it's funny because... You know, I always forget that he also did 2012 as well. Which is, like, so yeah, similar to the day after tomorrow in some ways. Um, but I would highly recommend anyone to go and watch the film he did in 2019 called Midway. Oh, I haven't seen Which that. is a World War Two um, like dogfight over over the um, Pacific Ocean film, and it holds up. It's pretty good, pretty good. I, you can tell it's it. like it's not quite B movie level, but it's. Uh, I think it was like at least a hundred million budget. Yeah, it's. I'm just reading about it now. It had a production budget of a hundred million dollars. It is today. Yeah. One of the most expensive independent films of all time. Hmm, Yeah, yeah. So I would highly recommend. And also, what he's got coming up is he's rebooting Stargate, isn't he? Oh, I didn't actually know that. Yeah, he's rebooting Stargate. So you've got a Stargate film, which has been... Uh, Holy crap. Which I believe is his next film. You've got one film being released in between, which the title says it all. Uh, The film is called Moonfall. Um, and if this isn't something to do with the moon falling, I'm not <laughs> interested. <laughs> Premise. Strangers must band together to save Earth when the moon suddenly falls out of orbit. Oh, brilliant. I mean, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I wanted to hear. I'm 100% in. Buy my ticket now. I'm getting a big popcorn, and I'm going to have a thorough good two hours. Oh, Who is in Moonfall? I, I... Oh, yes. See, look. you got the cast. Donald Sutherland, Halle Berry, Patrick Michael Penner. I mean, you know, big names. Big yeah, names. Patrick huge. Wilson. Yeah. I'm oh, 100% I'm down for Moonfall. Give uh, me all the Moonfall I can possibly take. <laughs> I mean, a, an update Stargate, I did not know about that. And the fact that Emmerich's doing it again makes me very, very happy. Yeah. Because I'm always worried with reboots and or like whatever it's going to be and you know someone else's grubby little hands all over it and kind of losing the spirit of the original so to to you know to know that he's in the driving seat makes me very happy because stargate is a, such such a great film um and yeah i'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly i'm i'm i was definitely a massive fan of the stargate movie i always remember i religiously watched stargate sg1 the series mm. um Absolutely loved it. That was a Tuesday night joy uh, watching that growing up. But 
I think Ronald Zeke's having a bit of a resurgence. He's still punching out these big movies. Yeah, he just loves destroying America, doesn't he? <laughs> and going going back to um, uh, the Godzilla movie in 1998, they were planned sequels, but sequels didn't happen because it didn't oh, yeah. the box office as well as they wanted it to perform. But they did do a TV series, an animated TV series based on that Godzilla which ran for 40 episodes. Yeah, did you ever know about that, like, as a kid? I I swear I did not know about it as a kid, hmm. but I've seen hints of it since. I haven't watched it. At the moment, you'll find, very much so find, on Netflix, there's, like, so much Godzilla content on Netflix right now. They must have the rights to a certain amount, but I feel there's a, a recent-ish animation Japanese yeah. production of Godzilla, which has spawned a few series slash um, yeah. Yeah. films. But yeah, the Godzilla animated series ran for two seasons. There's 40 episodes of it. Hmm. And um, it's not the original cast, but it they're playing the characters. So Dr. Nick Davalopoulos <laughs> is voiced by Ian Zeering. I don't know Ian, but the characters are back and I see there's various other monsters terrorizing New York as well, some pterodactyl looking things. So yeah, I'm down for it if I can find it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh But I think as as a kind of overview, I can't, it's it's it sits in a nice nostalgic place in my heart and I won't be able to not enjoy it in the future. So that is where I sit with Godzilla nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, I feel it's like, you know, almost the sort of ideal sad, Saturday afternoon sort of film. that, And it's usually shown on Saturdays and, you know, as that sort of easy fill time. And I have to say, like, it, again, it's one of those films that when you kind of see it on, it's like, ah, all right, why not? You know, I, I don't mind a bit of minus destruction. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I agree. It is that nostalgic, comfortable viewing Um yeah. Even though, yeah, it, it doesn't make much sense and, you know, it's kind of hilarious and, you know, completely destroys the, the idea of Godzilla for any true fans. But, oh, well, <laughs> you know, it created new fans than us. So, that's, yeah, uh, that's that's kind of, you know, what matters, really. Um, it, it definitely is. But, like, let's take a hip, uh, uh, skip and a jump, a hop, skip and a jump, even <laughs> not a hip, skip and a jump. <laughs> <laughs> That, that just means a really cool way of doing a skip and a jump, doing a hip skip and a jump. <laughs> uh, let's do a hip. Um, hip let's, go, let's go to 2014 Godzilla. <laughs> we find ourselves with a very, very different Godzilla. Yeah, I mean, here... Again, you know, this is another Godzilla I, I've watched in the cinema. And um, I have to say... I did not enjoy it the first time I watched it. Um, I hadn't read much about it. And so I didn't really know what the premise was about and the fact that it was truer to the originals and etc. cetera. Um, and it really annoyed me <laughs> when I watched it in the cinema as a, as a monster fan um, for a few reasons. Um, first, I, I mean, as I said, I, I kind of rewatched this on a couple of days ago, and I, I remember why I don't like it, and it's because you don't really see Godzilla until about 50 minutes in. And for me, you know, if you're going to call a film Godzilla, you know, to have him exclusively, essentially, to the second half of the film, it's actually just kind of annoying, really, in some ways. Um, and it's it's partly because of... I, I get what... You know, it's done by Gareth Edwards, who I am a film of his... Other, a fan of his other films. Um, Rogue One in particular, you know, that, that I think is possibly one of the best Star Wars films ever made. Um, Monsters, will... got to give a shout out for Monsters, Monsters. His, his directorial debut. Yeah, so, you know, he knows what he's doing. But in, and in Godzilla, you know, 2014, it, it, it feels like a proper film. But as I said, like, you know, the fact that we don't see Godzilla until 50 minutes in and, you know, the first half an hour, I kind of realized it felt like a disaster thriller um, rather than a monster film because I don't think we see Mothra until about 30 minutes in 
So it feels like the kind of initial part is like more of a nuclear disaster type film and and it's really drawn out in a way which actually is, you know, it. I, mean, I get what he's trying to do, but it's just, you know, when you're expecting Godzilla, like, you know, why delay that much, you know? I mean, it, it feels, I don't know, like, as, a, as a monster film fan, I just, I found that the payoff wasn't really as worth it as I'd hoped it would be, you know, because by the time you end up seeing Godzilla fighting Mothra properly, I mean, that's really the last scene of the film. Um, it's, not, it's, it's not Mothra, though, is it, in the first one? Yeah, I, think, I think we get we get Mothra in the second, isn't it? I mean, I, I think this is... Is it? Is it, is it I thought it was Mothra, wasn't it? No, I think Mothra... Oh, my game, is, um, in the second one. Mothra's in um, King of the Monsters. Right, 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 right. So... I can't remember what the name of the monster is in the the rival two monsters are, so to speak. In oh, I suppose it is a Mothra. Yeah, go, um, yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. It is like the the Muto uh, that they're talking about. Um, yeah. The interesting thing about this is, I mean, this might not be the case because I don't know what Gareth Edwards is doing right now, and stuff takes a lot of time to go through productions, but. He's only done, God Rogue One was the last film he's directed, and he's not at the moment, according to his IMDb, scheduled to direct anything else. And that's mm. a five-year stint. He is a consulting producer on the Monsters TV series, so there's going to be a TV show of the film he created, the 2010 Monsters film. So he's t- he's taking his time. Um, he is he has coordinated a documentary called Chasing Childhood which actually came out last year. Mm, yeah, I mean, he hasn't really done much like in, in his whole career. It's quite amazing that he, he ended up getting the Star Wars film, to be honest. Like after, um, you know, well, it's, it, was, it, was a, it was a leap and a bound, but I feel that seems to be more common these days, that you get these um, directors or producers who have done a film, and I'm talking when I say have done a film, I mean have produced a film about hundred, two hundred thousand or something like that, and it's won some awards at festivals and big franchises or big companies I feel hunt for these directors now because they're looking for the next Coppolas, they're looking for the next Spielbergs and all this. And in theory, if you're getting someone like Gareth Edwards, God's Eleven Remember is his first major production since Monsters four years after he did Monsters. But say you're going into Godzilla 2014 and you're, you're like, let's get Dennis Villeneuve or let's get Spielberg. Or, or you're, gonna, you're adding like 10, 20, 30 million onto the budget, aren't you? You're getting mm. something like Gareth Edwards. You, I don't know, 1 million, 2 million? Mm. First yeah, major yeah. production, so you're sa- saving huge there. But 100%, like I enjoyed... Godzilla 2014, uh-huh. but rewatching it, I noticed very much I enjoyed from when Godzilla came into it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is kind of the thing: is that it's um, okay. So yeah, I, you know, it's funny that I always associate that as Mothra because I kind of always assumed it was as a, a classic bad guy. But even reading the synopsis now, I, I can't find the the name for the other monster, which kind of goes to show like why I found this film kind of annoying because, you know, this other monster is focused on so much like as the main monster in the film rather than Godzilla that it's kind of a piss take. And, you know, I saw a a quote from Gareth Edwards kind of assuring fans before the film that there's enough Godzilla in it. And I think that's actually kind of laughable because there's so little Godzilla. I mean, he's not in the first half, um, which is, for me, disappointing. Um, and as, particularly, you know, growing up on the 98 one where essentially, like, you know, he's in it from the beginning and he destroys a lot of things and, you know, there's the sort of action that you'd expect. And, yeah, in this one, I just found... I, I get that he was trying to do a slow build, but for me, as a monster film fan, like, I really don't appreciate that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I want to see, see, you know, big action. And the most frustrating thing about this film as well is that there are multiple times where they're setting action up for uh godzilla to be fighting or the other creature to 
essentially destroys some stuff, like when they're, you know, destroying Vegas. And the film cuts away to a non-action scene and then cuts back post-destruction, you know? And that happens multiple times in this film. You know, it happens, uh, as I said, with Vegas, when they're on the island and it emits the pulse. And, you know, and it just, it's so frustrating. <laughs> it's kind of like the film equivalent of blue balls, you know? Like, you're, you're about to, like, get this wonderful destruction, uh, destruction uh, destructive scenes and, and action. And, and then all of a sudden, they cut away. And you, you're wondering why, why you're not getting this. You know, you're, you're, you're not getting those kind of build-up scenes throughout the film, which, you know, the kind of, you know, you have some destruction, then a bit more, then a, a, a few small scenes of destruction, and then the you know the epic finale. And here, it's just there's just just like nothing to set it up, and it's it's just really disappointing um, as a film fan. I mean, it that's the thing; it's kind of shot very nicely, and you know, it, it looks like a, a nice film. You know, um, in in terms of when the monsters do show up, like they look great. You know, I mean, Godzilla at the end is like it's epic, but you know, by that point, I'm just, I feel like, you know, I just want to get my money back because it's like, why, why do we have to watch an hour and a half until we see a proper, you know, monster fight? I mean, it's silly, you know? Um, so, I mean, that was one of the things I remember from when I first saw it and it's kind of stuck with me, you know? Um, I do think, you know, it's funny actually, you know, I, I kind of forgot how great this cast is. And even, you know, after we've done, you know, WandaVision recently, I mean, Elizabeth Olsen's in it as the wife, you know, which yeah. I like, completely forgot and just you know didn't realize and, and then she's there as a mother i'm like oh, do, you know, do you know what something i was thinking of i one thing firstly on the monsters you could have had monsters in the beginning in the setup story yes because they were the reason for the power plant going down so you missed a whole section where you could have included monsters yeah in like that a, particular section. Like a prequel scene that we've discussed before that, you know, sometimes yeah. it's really necessary to just set it up and, and give you some action as well, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah, because we all know there's no reason to, like, keep it secret. We all know Brian Cranston's character is hunting for what ends up being the main uh, monster villain in yeah. that. So why not have it at the beginning and give more gravitas to the loss of his wife to a certain extent in this particular setup and his emotions going towards monsters throughout uh, the rest of the film. But also Aaron Taylor Johnson just didn't quite do it for me No, he, in he... this film. And I thought watching this film a couple of times, two other ways of casting it, which I, what I feel would have worked better is one flip Elizabeth Olsen and Aaron Taylor Johnson around like Aaron Taylor Johnson, the guy who works in the hospital and who you see only, you know, every now and again, and have yeah. Elizabeth Olsen as the lead. Interesting. I feel that I Elizabeth Olsen is a brilliant actress, and I just feel she would have fitted into that role better. Or uh, a pairing I would have loved to have seen as a father and son combo is Denzel Washington and John David Washington. I mean, yeah, well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that, now that, would be, that would have been cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean now that you know, I know it's at a different point in time. John yeah. David Washington is obviously a lot bigger now than he yeah, was in 2014, and yeah. probably wouldn't have been considered for a role then. But still, I can imagine. But yeah, it's there's a lot of amazing visual effects. The halo jump scene, um, the laser plasma build up for Godzilla, the boom, 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 boom. Like, it all looks epic. But you're right, there's so many monsters tearing up places, and we only see the after effects. And when we see it on the after, the aftermath of it happening, usually it's through, like, a TV screen. Yeah, exactly. Like, that, and that's a common thing in this film, where they're showing action through, the like, screens in the background. And... I, I get that that was a, 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 I don't know, like what would you call it? I, I suppose a, a setup that they use or like a, you know, a, a, a device, yeah. you know, a kind of a, a storytelling device that they use. But it's just the worst thing to do. Like, in a, I mean, I, I suppose, you know, that's probably them calling back to like old school, like, you know, Godzilla films that you see them on TV maybe and like that nostalgia factor if they wanted to portray that. But it was just stupid and like annoying and, you know, it's just you're seeing it on the screen, and you know, so they're clearly creating some 
something, you know, you know, they're throwing some budget to, to make these fight scenes, but we don't get, you know, we're kind of not privy to them. And I suppose, you know, on one hand you can say like, Oh, that's like the, the, how he's building up tension in the film. And, you know, but you know, it's funny that it's interesting that you said that about Elizabeth Olsen and, you know, and Taylor Johnson and switching the roles. I think actually, because it made me realize that I think a big thing that this film suffers from is actually, it's not that well written in terms of the script, you know, like uh, with the characters, they're not as in depth as they're quite stereotypical characters. You know, Aaron Taylor Johnson's the soldier and is, you know, Elizabeth Olsen's the wife who worries and, you know, kind of is in the city and, but really you don't get that many like memorable lines and, you know, it's, it's, and, you know, and also like with key characters, like, you know, his father, like, you know, Brian Cranston, who's, an amazing actor, you know, he gets killed off after 30 minutes. And Julia Binoche, who is, again, another fantastic actress. Gets killed off in five. Yeah, which is... And and that, again, like, says to me, like, wow, you're... I mean, it's never a good sign for me when a very famous actor dies that quickly within a film. And then we got Sally Hawkins, who I just don't feel was used white enough. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So it, it just... I don't know. I, I felt that again. Yeah, as I was saying, like you know, the the writing wasn't that strong overall in terms of the human characters and developing them, um, especially with as we said, like the, it's not a badly made film, uh, you know, in terms of how it looks and how it sort of flows. But I just found it, yeah, disappointing and and yeah, uh, you know, as I said, it feels like a film that relies on the tension, but then the writing is kind of too thin to really build up that tension properly to the point. And also you're, you know, you're expecting monsters, you know, like the writing doesn't flow with that idea of a monster film. And, and <laughs> so essentially, yeah, you're kind of relying on the human characters, which, which aren't compelling enough. And, but then, you know, the monsters come like far later on when you're kind of already fed up with like an hour of, you know, non-destruction, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh... I had to get um, it off my chest. <laughs> <laughs> you have to do it. You just have to do it. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There's it's got some things going for it and some things going against it. And my like overview of this Godzilla is it's it's a modern retelling in the sense they definitely want to go down the serious route and they want to go down the drama route, but I don't think they they haven't hit those correctly those drama and serious points some elements it works but it feels rushed and the script isn't a hundred percent given plaudits like the action when we get the action and when we get the monster action is great and the special effects are really good and like there's the scenes on the you know going through the um train tunnel and on the bridge and all these kind of cool monster scenes that they've put a big tick next to and you you can't not enjoy that but overall i mean looking at this one on imdb it's sitting at a 6.4 and i think a 6 out of 10 is kind of where this film would sit yeah i mean because if it i feel if it nailed more it would jump up but 5.5 6 out of 10 for me is where this film kind of sits i mean i would say a 6 is generous really i, I think um <laughs> I mean, I'd give it mainly the marks for the final 20 minutes. Um, because even those scenes that you talked about, like, you know, the train scene, I mean, that's a disaster thriller scene rather than a monster thriller scene for me because it's, you know, they're on the train and the train is, you know, falling into the <laughs> into the water, then into the monster and stuff. You know, like, it's kind of, I don't know, it just feels like it, that the monster elements aren't carried off well enough up until towards the end uh and even the the bridge scene is a really good scene but it cuts short like after about 30 seconds and again like for me you know i remember seeing it and watching it again you know this weekend i was of that same vibe where it's like okay you know we're now into the action and even then you're like cut away to something non-action based and it's just oh um and as do, I said, you know like, what, do you know what's also quite telling is the two films that followed this in the franchise that is currently sitting yeah. with um, Legendary 
Kong and then Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and we're about to get the next one, is humour gets interjected into the next two films. That's true, and also way more action, way earlier on. Way, yeah. way more action and way more humour. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I feel that they kind of maybe took a beat from the 98 film and gone, actually, like there's some things, the humour works. I feel yeah. it's it's a ridiculous notion, the monster, the Godzilla monster. So if you put a bit of humour in there, it can definitely help a film like this along. Yeah, it gives it energy, actually, when when you don't have the monsters there that, you know, it, it's, um, yeah, it helps move it along. And I, and I think, you know, this 2014 one, you know, at the beginning when they're, you know, when Cranston's like exploring, you know, the the, the nuclear town and, and the remnants of the power plant, um, you know, the, as I said, it felt like a disaster thriller, sort of post-apocalyptic, you know, and they were trying to rely on that eeriness to move it along but i just found that without the monsters as present it re- it just felt like it could have been an earthquake or it could have been a nuclear disaster or something it just didn't you didn't get that monster vibe really until you see the Mu- the muto you know <laughs> drinking the nuclear reactor essentially and you know thriving off of it uh <laughs> and then you know but it's not even Godzilla, you know. It's, it's just, you know, it's just annoying at that point, you know. Um, um, and yeah, I don't know. I just found, yeah, it, it's if it, it maybe it had a bit more, bit better of a, a script, and you know, it, it, I reckon if the the script had been better, it, it probably would have naturally injected a bit more humor, perhaps, into it, because I think you know here. Because it was, it was saying it's quite thin, but you know maybe that was an idea that they had, like to keep it eerier. You know that the the characters are, you know, a bit more, uh, yeah, paranoid and and on edge, and and you know they are obviously, but it's um, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of funny because you know when you compare it to the ninety eight one, and the the you know the tone of this one is so on the opposite side of the spectrum that. Yeah, probably the first time I watched it, I was I was shell shocked in the cinema. Like, what is this? You know, <laughs> I think that's the first thing. What is this? Like, when I put the two films together, like the overview for me is if I see these two films side by side on the TV, I'm always going to go for the '98 one. Hundred percent. There's the nostalgic kick. A hundred percent. That film isn't great. There's loads of things they miss, and the science and some things are just stupid. But I feel that the 98 film knows what it is. It knows it's ridiculous. It knows the storyline isn't 100% and the humour is out. Like, they just push the humour to to 11, as Harry Shearer would say. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it sits in its world. It's not trying to be something else. You know, I, I think it works in... I think the new one works in a way when... Um, when you look at the films as a whole... And you can see this as like an introductory film, you know, that it's like, oh, it's, you know, I, I think it fails kind of in that in a way. But if you but it also succeeds in some ways, you know, that it, it yeah, it's that build up. And then like the next few films are much more action packed. And, you know, King of Monsters, we get like tons of Godzilla and, you know, lots of action. And, uh, you know, and Kong just has, you know, action from the, the outset, which is you know fab. Um, but so, you, you know, it can redeem itself a little bit that way in that it's setting up, you know, Godzilla and the, the monster universe. But again, I think they could have had done with more Godzilla, probably more monsters as well, you know, like, um, like maybe ones which were a bit more noticeable. Cause I, I, yeah, these Mutos, I mean, to be honest, it's, you know, I mean, what are they? They're sort of weird birds. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> Weird birds. <laughs> with beaks, weird birds. Really sharp beaks, you know, so it's, it's, so where where do where do we see ourselves, Artif? What is your final thought? Uh, I mean, you know, I think I've been, you know, pretty <laughs> pretty out there with, you know, what I've been with my opinions on it. I mean, ultimately it's it's I get what they were trying to do, I just think they failed and they made you know, they turned a monster film into something much more closer to a disaster thriller. Um they could have injected more action more monsters and more fun into the script and just and as i said as well the script was thin for the even the human characters you had 
a great cast that wasn't really utilized as well as they could have been. And it just felt like it could have been a, a much better film, but it just wasn't in the end. And it's a drag, to be honest. Like watching it again, you know, I just want the monster, the, the action, you know, the monster action. And that only comes really in the last 20 minutes. And, and when it comes, it is great. It is great. Um, and it's a shame that they just didn't inject that kind of throughout. And actually, you know, one thing I wanted to bring up as well was, have you ever seen or heard of, there was another Godzilla film released in 2016 called Shin Godzilla, the Japanese Godzilla film. Yes, I have. I have. Okay, so I would really recommend that film because it's a very, very entertaining take on Godzilla. Um, it's really, t- first of all, I mean, the Godzilla in it is freaky as hell. <laughs> He's completely different and, and he evolves throughout it, which makes him even weirder and kind of freakier. But it's also based around the government uh, bureaucracy and actions that they have to take in order to deal with this completely unknown, <laughs> you know, um, catastrophe that they're facing from this, you know, creature that they've never come across really. Um, and so, you know, having that perspective of the government and then the monster kind of, and having these pretty epic destruction scenes, um, it makes for a very unique film and actually very entertaining as well. Um, so I'd recommend, you know, if people were disappointed with the 2014 one, check out the 2016 Japanese one because because that one was was great. You know, I, I really enjoyed that one. Well, there we go. That's our final recommendation. Go and check out, as I will, the 2016 <laughs> Shin Godzilla movie and a lot of stuff, as we like to remind you guys, coming up winter um falcon and winter soldier series we're going to be doing it weekly like we did wandavision we're going to be doing a kong episode which focuses on peter jackson's kong and uh (laughs) skull island um we're also going to be you know it's all building up to the godzilla kong that's what we're going to do so we're going to in the in the third monster episode we will predominantly be talking about godzilla kong but at the beginning we will talk about the godzilla king of the monsters film leading into it to just get of our kind of recap as that hashed out and we've also got Zack snyder's justice league coming up so so much content um but thanks for joining us guys and we'll see you soon Hi guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Jedi Order Podcast. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe and may the force be with you.